God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So let me ask you that question. What does God sound like? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when does God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially, the, the Bible is a, a collection of God conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident, and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that dream or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, I just had some bad pizza? Jesus said we'd recognize his voice and follow him. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Godconversations.com Hi, and welcome to episode 23 of the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, speaker, and the founder of Godconversations.com. Today we're going to do something a little different. Around two years ago, God spoke to me about a second branch of ministry that was a bit different to equipping people how to recognise God's voice. That part of my ministry is very much for both men and women, but this one is just for the girls. This branch of my ministry is all about God's heart, God's vision for what He has for 21st century women, how God is calling us as women to live in this day and age. You see, the question of what a 21st century woman looks like is actually not an easy one to answer. Once upon a time, it was simple. Women's roles in the home and in the church and in the community were very clear. But, you know, the feminist movement has changed all of that. There have been incredibly radical shifts in our society. You know, today, women can go to university. They can vote. We take these things for granted. They can travel without their husbands. They can fly aeroplanes. They can join the army. They can preach sermons. They can even rise to the position of a prime minister. But you know, all these things were completely unthinkable 50 to 100 years ago. So at the same time as all these changes are happening externally, there's also repercussions for who women are as people, for our identity, for what kind of people that we are. It's not just about what we do, but it's who we are on the inside. You know, these days we hear voices from all over the place. We hear it from the secular world, in our community, from the marketplace. We hear God's voice from the church. And the question is, what is God asking of us? What does it mean to be a 21st century Christian woman? We're going to tackle some of those questions today in one of, the, I have to say, the most one of the most fun and interesting radio interviews I think I've ever done. It's an interview with John Peachy. He's the presenter of The Morning Show in Rayma Radio, New Zealand. And it was done to mark the official launch of God Conversations for Women. I encourage you to have a listen, even if you're a man. We cover all sorts of topics from why we sometimes find it difficult to accept women in leadership roles the role of the pastor's wife, and even how gender stereotypes work. So welcome to the official launch of God Conversations for Women. And if you're interested in more, don't forget to check out the website, godconversations.com forward slash women. It's, uh, it's my pleasure to introduce to you again, you'll know her voice and you'll know her name, Tanya Harris uh, from God Conversations. And uh, you will know her because she contributes to our program uh, on a very regular basis and uh, brings these little wonderful uh, tidbits of information which inspire you. Can I say tidbits? Is that all right? I think that's okay. 
Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah, little kind of little 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 vitamins in our day. Yes, that's right. Yeah, nice to nice to talk to you, Tanya. Wonderful to talk to you. Hello from Sydney. And is Sydney well this morning? Is it all fine? Sydney is very well this morning. It is. It's tough being in Sydney during winter. It's a beautiful sunny day. Oh, good. (laughs) Oh no, lovely. Yeah. Hey, I noticed that you have. I mean, obviously, you've been doing God Conversations for a while, and your your website for those who are listening, godconversations.com, but you started thinking about some specific topics around the area of what it's like to be a woman in the 21st century. And, um, yes. You didn't hear my intro from earlier, but I was saying it's it's a juggle, isn't it? I mean, there's so many demands on mm. both sides of the equation, mm. from being a, being a mother, being a taxi driver, being a, you know, I don't know, being an educator, being a professional. Um, so tell tell me what you're thinking. Being a pastor. Being, oh, I yeah, think being that, a pastor, yeah. <laughs> I think that women particularly face a lot of questions today. There's a lot of confusion around this topic. What does it mean to be a woman today, the 21st century woman? And uh, we see those kind of questions all across the layers of society. Um, I think in the corporate secular world, what does it mean to be a woman in leadership? Issues of uh, gender imbalances, salary imbalances, uh, leadership styles perhaps. In, in the church, it's a bit different. Um, we've got questions about women's ordination. You know, how, how high can a woman go in leadership? And they're really important questions, often quite controversial. And then, and then questions about what is it to be a woman in the home? You know, roles have shifted so much. Can a, can a woman earn more money than a husband? Is that, a, is that okay? Or can a house husband um, stay at home? Is he emasculated by doing so? Those kind of questions come up, I think, in, the, in our times. And and there's confusion there, I think, because we've gone through such massive change in our history with the feminist movement. And so what, what my ministry tries to do, this branch of my ministry tries to address some of those questions and ask ourselves, what does God want for us as women in the 21st century? And it doesn't just apply to what we do. That may be important, but it implies to who we are, our identity behind the scenes. I think some of those questions cut to the core. What does it mean to be a Christian woman? That, that's, a big, that's a big question, isn't it? What, what does God yes. want for us as, as women? Uh, sounds very yeah. strange me asking that question. What does God want for us as women? Uh, I'm, <laughs> well, it, affects I'm, you, it affects you guys, doesn't it? Because, well, it does. Yeah, like, you know, I think some of the confusion then carries over it to what does it mean to be a man because men played a certain role before. Um, I think of a funny instance um, a number of years ago when I was teaching at Hillsong College and I asked my class, you know, should a man ask a girl out on a date? And um, and that created a whole lot of controversy because, you know, you had in one corner men saying, no, 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 the man should ask, you know, the woman out on a date. And and then I said, well, why? You know, the only, the one of the main courtship stories we have in the Bible is that is Ruth. Of course. She proposes to her yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, you know, the questions came out, well, Wild at Heart says this and, and, you know, so I think those questions become important and, and a little bit confusing. You know, what does a godly woman do? What should she do? Is there, what does it mean to be made in the image of God and to lead alongside men in the world today? So, uh, yeah, it can get quite complicated, I think. And, and again, touches at the core of who we are. So, so quite controversial too sometimes. Well, I want to ask and, you a, a couple of questions around controversy then, because from yeah. a male perspective, I mean, I don't know whether my my opinion is, is a general opinion or not, but I'm, when we talk about things like equality, pay equality, equality in the workforce, mm. women leading, I mean, I interview some absolutely astounding women who are in positions of leadership yeah. in this country and overseas. And I just mm. uh, you know, I recently interviewed a lady called Helen Kelly, who's the head of the Combined Trades Union, probably the most powerful mm-hmm. woman in the country at the moment. 
uh, in terms yeah. of political power and that. A and I have absolutely no problem with it. I've always considered, you, you know, equal pay, equal work. I don't have a problem with it. But but a lot of a lot of men, I think, do have a problem with it. Uh, how, how do women mm. feel about the kind of glass ceiling, the opportunities, and, and specifically, Tanya? I mean, in the in the church. I mean, is there still this kind of Mm. unspoken underlying thing you you know you've got long hair you can't you can't lead or pastor <laughs> okay long hair is probably the wrong and thing you, to do and your skirt's too short yeah that's right um, yeah well yeah that's right yeah <laughs> well the interesting thing is that i had you know you talk about men having a problem with women in power i had a problem with it so i was raised in a, in a really conservative home in a conservative church and in our church women didn't lead in any shape or form we couldn't even carry around the offering bag in the services so we took teaching, the teaching of First Corinthians 14 and 35 very seriously. Women should be silent in the church. And she was. And so when I first came to the church where I was trained in, originally when I arrived there, a man was leading and then he resigned unexpectedly and a woman came in and I was like devastated. And we had a female senior pastor. I'm like, no, this can't be. And I remember looking at her, just being incredibly confused because I'd never seen a woman lead before. And I think... What, what's happening is that the confusion that we feel and the, and the and sort of like the um, cognitive dissonance we have when we, we see these women in power is that we just haven't seen them before. Yeah. So for hundreds of years of our history, women have played a certain role and suddenly they're playing a different role. And so so men are confused, women are confused. And, and some of the reactions we have towards women in power, I, I kind of understand because I had them too. And um, my journey into ministry certainly called me to ask those deeper level questions. Is this acceptable? You know, should a woman lead? And what does that look like? Yeah. That, what does that mean for her femininity? Because we've always defined femininity as being soft and demure and gentle and nurturing. And now strength is, looks different on a woman. What does it look like? And so we, we get some confusion coming out of that. Yeah, I, I think I think we do because because you're right. I mean, uh, um, femininity has been yeah, associated with those kind of you know pretty pink, mm. gentle things. <laughs> Whereas there's nothing yeah. there's nothing so fierce and so wonderful, I think, and admirable as as a, as a woman who is who is strong, who can speak her mind, who knows exactly what she thinks, what her faith is. Uh, yeah. You know, when when you see some of the great. Um, the great female preachers and speakers like Joyce Meyer and people like that. And I mean, there's, yeah. there's any number of them around the world, you know, they can articulate their faith. They're strong, you know, strong in the, in the, in the right sense, woman. And, and I think that's impressive. Yes. But, yes. But, it, but are it there is. women who are threatened by that? Yeah, definitely. Because I think, as I said, men and women haven't, we haven't always seen this before. Mm. So it challenges our stereotypes and it challenges our thinking. And for women, it, calls into question, well, hang on, who am I? She's like that. Who am I then? And, and, and I mentioned my mentor, the woman who was my senior pastor, who went on to mentor me. And I just remember watching her and thinking, oh, who is this woman? Because every other woman I'd ever seen in leadership, and this, we're going back 20 years now, had, had played a certain role. And um, they were beautiful women and godly women. And they were beautiful homemakers and they loved God, but they had never been in that kind of leadership role before. And so I'd never seen what it looked like. So part of my journey was asking not only, God, what am I permitted to do according to your teaching and according to the, the mandate that you've given women? What am I allowed to do? But also, who am I? What kind of person have you made me to be? Yeah. And I've been raised with this identity that's been... Um, 
always been seen to be in a support role. So um, passive, I'm waiting for a man to lead. So I'm going to support that. Without a man, I can't lead. And um, and then, you know, it's interesting, these questions that we ask ourselves actually have a great bearing on who we are as people. And so some of the flack that we see, some of the attitudes, some of the, the issues that we have are a result of the fact that we've just never seen it before. And we're in a, we're in a state of transition historically. You know, it's only been even in the church in the last 50 years that we've even thought that women was made in the image of God. She was always in the sub-image of man. Mm-hmm. She wasn't equal. So now we know that, there are, you know, both genders are equal, but we still don't know what it looks like. And so this is where we yeah. get the... The, the foggy area, I think. Yeah, no, that's right. That and I th- yeah, and I think foggy, foggy areas is the right way to describe it. I think it is, it is too mm. foggy. I, I've got other controversial questions I'd love to toss at you. We're going to take a short break and come back in just a sure. moment. My guest on the phone from, from Sydney uh, is Tanya Harris from godconversations.com and I encourage you to have a look at the website in the break. Tanya, thanks for just for holding on for a moment. I'll be, I'll be right back with you. Uh, this is Rima, I'm John Peachy. If you, my guest from Australia is Tanya Harris from godconversations.com. Hey, and thank you so much for joining me on um, an early morning in, uh, in Sydney. Yes. yes, we started a bit later than you. <laughs> yeah, that's right, you do. Hey, um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and again, some of these things are controversial because it's easy for me to go, well, I just accept you know, equality and, and I can't see any reason. It's a bit like racism. What, what on earth is colour? Yes. You know, it's, it's just an odd thing. I find racism such a, such a ridiculously strange concept. But uh, it, when it comes to pastoring, often um, we recognise the man as the pastor and then we have this wonderful term at the pastor's wife who yes. shuffles to the side. And I, I mean, I know of, of, of different denominational organisations that don't consider that the husband and wife are pastoring that the job is is the man's job, and and that makes me squirm a little bit in terms of the the, the actual mm. workload and the job. Mm. Considering that we have the fivefold ministry, you know, everyone's called to do a different part. What? How do you feel about that? About that sort of label that, you know, that the man is the leader and the woman is this kind of sideways mm. shuffled thing. Yeah, again, it's a very interesting one. When I first um, led my church, I pioneered a church about ten years ago in Melbourne, Australia. And when God called me, I, I was single. I still am single. And I remember having a big argument with him about this because I said, God, in order for me to pioneer a church, I need to be married and because uh, that's the way we do it yeah. around here. Yeah. God, have you not seen? You know, Do you know anyone? And I tried very hard to find someone who was a, particularly a single, not even a single man, but a single woman who was pastoring. I just... It just didn't happen, right? And um, I figured there was reasons for it. I used to go to, you know, weddings and they would quote Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two are better than one if one falls down. Pity the person who's got no one to pick them up. And so I started quoting Bible at God. And, um, and, you know, (laughs) yeah, 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 right. Let me tell you. Um, And then, you know, you'd go to conferences, pastors' conferences, and the man would sit up and he'd say, I want to thank my beautiful wife. I couldn't do it without her. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, even at our, um, our college, I was teaching at a college in Melbourne at the time, and we had a church planting manual for our subject, how to, you know, how to plant a church. And in the, the front page, the first chapter, it said essentials for planting a church. And it had things listed there like, you know, you need a certain amount of money, you need a team. But the top one was a pastor and his wife. Mm. And I said to God, I said, God, I, I don't have it. you know. And apparently he hadn't read the manual. Uh, so, no, no, that's right. <laughs> he, he spoke to me very exactly. He spoke to me very clearly, and 
the way he spoke to me was he gave me a picture of a penny farthing bicycle and he said um i had i got the words very clearly by the spirit that's the old-fashioned way and i knew exactly what he meant i knew that he was saying that i was like the small wheel and that if i had a husband right then that i would stay the small wheel because there was something in my nature something in my mindset my upbringing that would keep me small and not really see who I was in God. And, and, and that was my experience. It's wow. not the experience of everybody, that's for sure. But for me, I just knew that the way my mindset was very fixed mm-hmm. on that. So for God, he actually had to pull me out of that and say, actually, you know, Tanya, you're called in your own right. You don't need to be married or have a particular type of status, marital status, to fulfill your call. And I want you to know who you are as a, as, as a woman and as someone I've called. And so I don't think it's an issue of uh, status who you're married to. I don't think it's an issue of gender, whether you're a man or a woman. The issue is what is God calling you to and what has he gifted you with? Yeah. And what does that look like for you? And, and that's going to look a little different. But but I think what we're seeing now is that, again, we see with the pastor and the pastor's wife, we've seen some roles, how it's always been, and it's always been that way. And so we, we tend to go with what we know, so we fit that, you know, into the car, into that thinking. And, and I, I think that perhaps that's been necessary for a time, but I think it's time to shift from that because I think, you know, the pastor's wife needs to, you know, understand that she's not just a pastor's wife. She's not defined by her role in relation to a man. She's defined by who she is. So that may mean she's called into ministry um, from a vocational perspective alongside her husband, but it may also mean that she's called to do something else, and that's perfectly valid too. And so we don't need to uh, create these stereotypes, I think. I think each person has a responsibility before God to say, who am I? What are you calling me to? Well, st- yeah, so, stereotypes yeah. are never helpful, are they? I, I think in any any part of life, stereotypes are, are, are counterproductive because it locks people into mindsets which just cut across their gifting, cut across their calling. Yeah, uh, it can it can do. A, you're, you're absolutely right, and I, I found that to be true. But obviously, we we like to have things in categories and boxes, don't we? We like to group things together. I think that makes us understand our world easier. So, you know, perhaps there is a place women have got a certain tendency towards some things, you know. We tend to be bad at parking cars, but um, maybe we're really good at parking cars. Well, yeah, that's right. You know, and maybe I throw a ball like a girl, but maybe I'm actually really good at throwing a ball. Throw a ball like a girl. Talk to Venus Venus Williams about that and see what she has to say, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. So oh, no, they're it's helpful true. to a degree, to yeah. a degree, but we mustn't let ourselves be limited by them because I know for a fact that God is not limited by our stereotypes and he certainly doesn't let them use use us, sorry, he doesn't let us use them as an excuse not to do what he's called us to do. No, they're absolutely, absolutely right. Now, my head is going a bit crazy on the whole peer farthing thing because I'm thinking of all sorts of different interpretations of that of that thing, like the, <laughs> like the man sitting way up there, unobtainable, unreachable. I mean, there's a whole bunch. So I can just say to you, Tanya Harris, now you're a big wheel, honey. You're a, you're a big wheel. I mean, look what God yeah, has done yeah. with you. You know, look what God has done with you. Pastor a church, got this international ministry, you know, encouraging people's lives. Yeah. You know, I love what God yeah. does with us. And uh, again, one of my, you know, one of my all-time favorite stories out of the Old Testament is the story of Gideon. You know, here he is yeah. hiding in the wine press. You, you know, and he, and, he, and when the angel appears to him, he says, "Well, I'm I'm the, I'm the smallest, or the littlest, or the lowest, or the tiniest, or the puniest. You know, what do you yeah. want with me?" And the angel says, "Mighty man of valor." Go in the yes, go in the strength that you have. Go with what's in your hand, and I think that is just a tremendous encouragement for women listening. You know, go in the strength yes. that you have. 
because this yeah. is about the Father, isn't it? It's about mm-hmm. what the Father is calling you to. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and yeah. So Very I know, I'm, true. I'm a bit passionate about this sort of stuff, Tony, I have to say. A bit passionate. Um, the, I want to ask you the subject of younger women because, yes. I mean, I would, I mean, apart from being a male, I would hate to be a, a 15 or 16 year old young male today in this in this day and age with the stuff that's coming at me but how much more mm. so a, a young woman who's developing her faith who's developing her, her place in the world what what kind of encouragement would you would you say if there's if there's a if there's a mum listening or a grandma or an auntie and they've got a you know mm. a 15 or 16 or 17 year old young woman who's just who's who's blossoming in god and and there's all this kind of you know sexual innuendo and pressure to date and all this stuff coming at them, what what would you say? It's such an important season of life. I would say the same thing. I think I say to to both men and women, seek first God's kingdom. And I know that sounds like, you know, it's been said many times before, but at the end of the day, that what, that's what counts. We, we seek first God's kingdom. We don't seek a boyfriend. We don't seek the, the latest clothing. We don't seek to, to fit in. We, we seek God's kingdom first and foremost because it's through knowing God that we know ourselves. And when we know ourselves, then we can live the kind of life that he's called us to live. And, um, and, and these other things will be added unto us. I think that that priority is so important and for young for young girls you know the big issue is to to find a boyfriend and to seek that and i think that's always a challenge for women particularly we you know the genesis 3:18 says your desire will be for your husband and I, it's not a positive thing in that context obviously um, marriage and relationships is a beautiful gift of god but when we put that priority above god then we find ourselves in a position that we often regret later in life when we make some poor choices so Seek first God's kingdom, seek his purpose, be sold out for Jesus, and all these things will be added. Yeah, that's a great right? Isn't it? In, in this, I think it's the Song of Songs, which is a horrible, horrible book to read <laughs> uh, in this context. But I mean, well, not, not I, if you're <laughs> married. And <laughs> no, but it, it, at one point it says, it says, and I'll, I'll totally paraphrase and make it up, but it says something along the lines of, you know, do not, do not arouse love until the time is right or something it's like it's kind of like there's a, there's a timing in god for some of these things and and uh, yeah. I, I wonder sometimes whether we get just consumed by this whole kind of must have a partner must that's where my identity lies thing and it, and, it, and yeah. it, it's just not it's actually in a, in, a, in a marriage relationship i mean it's actually not that helpful if you if if you try and no. find your security and identity in somebody else mm. you're going to be sadly disappointed yeah you know women tend to do this more than men and um, men very rarely seek their purpose in a woman, but women often seek their purpose in a man, and it's very damaging. Hard to break, too. Difficult to break. I remember um, talking to a young woman, you know, I'd just been teaching overseas, and she came up to me afterwards, and she would have been about 25, 26, and she was looking at me. She had this look on her face, and she said, so, so, so I can do it. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, so uh, I can... I can do what God's calling me to do. I said, well, of course you can. She said, but I, I, I'm not married. <laughs> and and just the she the shock in her face, you know, just trying to process that. She was waiting to follow God into what he had for her. Mm. And there's just no need, you know. We need to pursue God first in every area of our lives. And at the end of the day, that's what Jesus calls us to do, is pursue God first, put him first, and he will lead us into his good path. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. My guest on the phone from Sydney is Tanya Harris from godconversations.com. Again, we need to take a short break. 
Um, I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you an, another controversial question. So, and I'm not even going to tell you what it is. So you can just oh, great. stew for a couple of minutes. <laughs> hey, uh, Tanya Harris from Sydney on the phone with me. I'll be back in just a moment. This is Rem Rhyme, John Peachy. My guest on the phone from Australia is Tanya Harris, who is the owner, the founder, uh, the narrator of GodConversations.com. Um, I advise you, encourage you to check out the website. There's a whole bunch of resources, uh, some which you can purchase, some which are free. There's plenty to encourage you. There's MP3 downloads, uh, there's DVDs, CDs, um, and uh, you can uh, contact um, Tanya. In fact, uh, without, I haven't told her I'm going to say this, but you know she's available to speak, and I, I think she brings a, a great message. Um, and uh, some of you, I think, would find great encouragement having you speaking in, in your churches. Hey, Tanya, nice of you to um, Thanks, to hang out with me. I'm just going to cough, excuse me. Um, there we go, the wonders of the off button. Hey, um, yeah, so, so controversial stuff. I mean, you know, I think one of the things, um, and this is a, a very deep spiritual thought I've developed after many, many years, is that blokes are stupid. Um, because, you know, I, there are churches I've been in where there have been stunning women in their mid-30s to early, you know, mid-40s. And I mean stunning women of God who, who are, you know, who know scripture, who love the presence of God, who, who love worship, who are professional women. And, and they're single. And I go, you know, and, and, you know, and they're good-looking ladies, let's, let's face it. And I'm, and, and I'm like, are the men just stupid? Uh, I mean, what, what is going on? And, and, I, and I'm being slightly facetious, but I mean, I, I'm actually being, being part serious. I, I, I look at, and I can I could reel off probably a half a dozen women that I know who are, you know, who are just brilliant women, and yes. they're, they're single. Yes. What can you explain well, that to me? You know, without and, I, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not being, I'm not trying to be rude or harsh or horrible or anything. I just can you explain why that is? Yeah. Oh, I could get myself into trouble here. Yeah, no, please do. Please do. We have an editing button. That's all right. <laughs> awesome. It seems to be a worldwide phenomenon in the West, particularly. Actually, there was a, a study that recently done in the UK that basically said that there was significantly more women in the church than there was men. And so for many women, the choice was now to marry someone who didn't share their faith or to remain single. And uh, it just seems to be an anomaly in the population. I, I, you know what, well, I'm not a sociologist, so I can't give you the reasons for it. I have my suspicions part, partly. Um, but, but again, it's just my suspicions. I think, so again, some of those changes, that changing the landscape about gender is, is that women have different expectations about um, their partners. And so we want men who, you know, run hard alongside us and in God. And there just seems to be a shortage of that. And I, um, as I said, from a sociological perspective, I can't tell you why. But I do know because that's certainly the case in my circle as well. Lots of beautiful Christian women who just can't find a good man. And, and that sometimes leads them outside of the church. And uh, it, it's a sorry situation. I just I, I say to the leaders of men's ministry, go men. <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. we need good men in the church. You know, this whole movement for women that is you know reaching the globe in you know, our color conference is just covering the globe. It's just awesome seeing women rising up. But that doesn't mean that men shy back. It means that we together we're rising up, and we we need those men's ministries to flourish too. So, and yeah. and look, there there are there are, there will be women listening um, who whose hearts are broken because they have yeah. they've pined for a partner and they don't understand. I mean, I know yeah. this for a fact. 
Would, would you mm. speak directly, maybe even pray, but would you speak directly to those women who mm. are, who just have this longing to be in, in a marriage relationship? And, and even saying that's slightly controversial because I know marriage is not the be-all and end-all. I understand that. And, and some people are perfectly happy being uh, yes. being single and doing doing what they're doing. And, and, and good on them for, for doing that. But there are some who... who yes who, you know, re- would really love to have a great man of God stand beside them. Can, can you speak to them? Certainly can. You know, I think the first thing I want to say is that the longing and the feeling that is, is, is felt for a partner is a godly one. And it was God himself who made the creation and said, everything is good except for this one element that man is alone. This is not good. And his solution was a companion, a partner who'd share their life with Adam and so this longing is natural, normal, godly. Um, Paul had a gift of celibacy. I, I, I don't think I've met anyone who has that gift in my life yet. I'm not saying it's not there, but I think first of all, just to acknowledge the sadness and the disappointment and the pain is is important. It's okay to feel that. It's okay to feel alone when you go to events on your own and you feel like there's no one there at the end of the day to say, how was your day? This is okay. This is normal and natural and healthy. And um, we take those longings to God and we say, God, would you please provide for me? And, And I encourage women in that position to look for the ways that God provides. It may not be a husband right now, but he's going to provide for you. He's going to provide good, healthy friendships, relationships within the church that you can receive with open arms and learn to develop healthy friendships that begin to meet that need. Um, You know, you get many unhappy and unhealthy marriage relationships where there's loneliness there too. So we need to receive what God has for us and his provision for us. And then to keep pursuing the call of God in your life regardless of, you know, keep doing those things that you're called to do. Keep feeling, fulfilling a good and purposeful life as a single. In, in some respects, don't keep waiting because we, we don't want to put our lives on hold. We want to keep pursuing all that God has for us. And I pray that for every single woman listening who's in that position, that you know the grace and the peace of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit over your life. But can I, can I encourage you, don't compromise. Just don't compromise. You know, so many people make bad choices at this point and then they live to regret them. Look for God's best in what he has for you. Mm. Yeah, How's that, John? Yeah, that's that's very wise. That's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, you, you your heart is, is beautiful. Um yeah, uh, and it's a Thanks, it's John. a painful thing and I you know and I, I think the church needs to uh to take it on head on and to pray for those just just the, yeah. the way that you've mentioned because yeah. there's a grieving, there's a sense of grieving uh, yeah. as the years go on. I actually, I wrote an article um, recently on my on my website um, along these lines. <laughs> it was a very personal one. It's called The um, Unseen Pain of Social Infertility and it was about how in the church we often rally around those who can't bear children who are infertile. We, we pray for them as they go through IVF and there's lots of encouragement. But then there's a single woman on the sidelines and she's infertile for a different reason. Yeah. She may not have anything wrong with her, her womb, but she can't find the right man to bear children with. And that actually we need to acknowledge that pain because it's like... Um, a death without a gravestone. You know, we need to mark it and say, let's encourage these women to, to make the most of every opportunity that God gives and to walk through that grief that sometimes comes when when a single woman isn't, you know, doesn't find herself in a position where she can have children. That that pain is just as real as it is for a married woman who 
who is infertile. Yeah, absolutely. I, I saw it and read that article on your website and I yeah, I, mm. I thought, wow, it's very insightful and very accurate. And uh, again, I encourage people to look at the website, godconversations.com. There's, there's, a, there's an awful lot of richness there for people to, to, to pour through and to, to gain some inspiration from and some healing from. So... Tanya, thank you so much. Uh, you're no, such it's a, been a pleasure, John, always. You're such an honest lady and I, I really appreciate your thoughts and, and uh, the fact that you, you you pursue God on behalf of other people and um, and uh, may God bless you, my penny-farthing friend. I uh, receive that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not anymore. No, no, you're a, you're a big wheel. Hey, fantastic. <laughs> love, it, love you to talk to you. Tanya Harris, who is the founder and uh, inspiration behind God Conversations, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again. So have a Thanks, fantastic John. day in Sydney. I'll let you go and have breakfast. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast by Tanya Harris. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. So post your comments on the blog page of godconversations.com or at facebook.com forward slash Tanya M. Harris. Help us to equip others to recognize God's voice by rating the series on iTunes. Remember, Jesus said we would know his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation.